If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 1204 on the uh, on Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have another one of the rave scale of the pre-tales to the Cattle Raid of Cooley, the great epic of Irish mythology. This is one of the other Thornbows, the other Cattle Raids. This is the Cattle Raid of Regamon. But before that, a very big welcome to any new and returning listeners. If this is your first episode, you're more than welcome to listen to this. Um, I think this might is very well a good example of what this podcast podcast is and has become and if you like that why don't you trawl right back through maybe to the very beginning and see what we've been building up to over the last four years of this podcast and over 200 episodes and if you're returning listener as always thank you so much all the normal quick ways all the normal ways you can support the podcast you can follow me over on instagram at fireside bar that's the space to message me and say hello uh, you can Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you're not on social media. Ways you can support the podcast more directly, you can buy my book, Garden Sea, my poetry collection, A Neo-Myth of Home, which is available in paperback from the Headstuff website or in a Kindle version um, on Amazon instantly, but we can ship the paperback all around the world. Uh, exciting things coming in development with the, uh, with the book, um, which I'm very much looking forward to share, which I think I'll be able to share next week or the week after. Um, but exciting news there all coming and uh, if you want to also you can support the podcast directly at headstuff plus at headstuffpodcast.com where for as little as five euro a month although you can pay more if you want you can gain access to bonus material not just for fireside but for all of the podcasts on the headstuff podcast network those are all the hard sells out of the way it's just us now i'm recording to you i'm back in the knightsbrook hotel in trim in county mead I'm back in rehearsals for the world of musicals. 
Uh, we're about to set off on a short tour of the US. Any US listeners to the podcast, uh, hit me up if you, uh, well, first of all, if you're interested in musical theatre, of course, which you may or may not be, as this podcast doesn't really have anything to do with that. But it's all in my world anyway, and it's it's allowed me to travel a lot of places and discover new stories and folklores and mythologies, and I love taking the podcast on the road, particularly. Um, so do give me a shout out. Um, you can look at our tour dates on the website, but uh, you can let me know and I can let you know where we are playing. We're playing in about 10 states, starting over the East Coast, flying into Florida and finishing up in Wyoming. So we're getting a good breath of the country, even across the nine or 10 states we're going to. Um, but the story for this week, because I don't want to do too long an intro this time, my intros have been getting longer uh, well, it's fine when there's stuff to say. Um, but the story for this week, so yes, this is the continuation of our other thorns, our Thornbow Tales, which were a series of what are known as rave scale, our pre-tales to the Cattle Raid of Cooley, the great big epic, which we covered on the podcast over three years ago. But it's so nice revisiting these characters and meeting new characters and fleshing out this world because all of these stories mattered and all of these stories fed into each other and continued this patchwork quilt of Irish mythology. And so there, here we have familiar characters for those who have been long-time listeners or who know the Thawne, such as Alil and Maeve um, and their armies in Cruachan Fort. We have Fergus MacRoke, the exiled king of Ulster. But we also have the titular character who we have not met, Regamon, who exists essentially in this story alone, or certainly I haven't come across him or noticed him before this. But also we get a bit more of a, a meeting of the children, the sons of Alil and Maeve and their relationship with the daughters of Regamon. And apart from our last cattle raid story that we did a couple of weeks ago, this is the Tombo Freck, which we did for the 200th episode. This one actually has cattle as far more of a, a key part to the story because tawns or raid stories, like we're usually cattle raids, but a raid could also be an offensive or a gathering of something. And so it was this catch-all. And also tawns were traditionally, as the original texts of these often were, made on cowhide. So they were books literally made of and about cattle, um, which made it very, very rooted and deeply, deeply pagan, I suppose is the best word for it. But we will chat more about this, of course, afterwards. But this is on Tonbo Regamain, the cattle of Regamon on Fireside. <laughs> The Cattle of Regamon. In the west of Ireland, in the province of Connacht, during the time of King Alil and Queen Maeve, there was a wealthy and powerful chieftain named Regamon. Regamon was a leader at home and in combat, who had fought side by side with his ferocious and seasoned warriors in many victorious battles. His success in battle ensured that Regamon was one of the richest and most respected chieftains in Connacht. When Queen Maeve declared war on the northern province of Ulster to seize the prized brown bull of Cooley, Maeve needed allies, but Connacht also needed another kind of aid. The exiled former king of Ulster, Fergus MacRoke, had come to Croahan Fort to the kingdom of Alil and Maeve. 
Fergus had also found himself into the bed of Queen Maeve and became not only her most trusted general, but favourite lover. Maeve, her husband Alil, and lover Fergus held council. Alil said, Our armies need feeding and paying, and Connacht needs stability while her armies are away. The chieftain with the most cattle and provisions is Regamon to the south. Who will go to Regamon and entreat him to provide cattle and other livestock to sustain Connacht? For in Gaelic Ireland, cattle were power, cattle were wealth, and Regamon had the most. It can't be simply messengers, said Fergus McGrook. Regamon is the commander of a fearsome army. He may not be willing to give up the cattle we need. An army would be too much of an offence. But it needs to be someone who can let Regamon know the consequences or whether or not he will willingly offer aid. Maeve let her two men talk and think until they had both tired themselves out. Then the Queen of Connacht offered a solution. We send our seven sons. Regamon has seven daughters each one in love with the seven sons of Connacht. We send our seven to entreat Regamon for brides, and they'll come back with cattle. Of the seven daughters of Regamon, three were named Dunan, and four were named Dunla. The seven sons of Alil and Maeve were all named Main, but each one was defined by his personality and attributes. There was Maine of the great filial love, the great family love. Maine with great but less filial love than his elder brother. There was a Maine who was like his father and one who was like his mother. There was a smooth talker with a mouth like honey and a son whose attributes were too great to even be described. The final son of Alil and Maeve combined all the qualities of his six brothers, his mother and father. The seven sons of Alil and Maeve came before their mother and father. It is right for you to go to collect the daughters and the cattle of Regamon, my sons, said Maeve. For what better cause could one ask to go for than with familial love? It is with filial love that our hearts go, said Maine of the great filial love, appropriately enough. But the reward is also why we go said Maine of the lesser filial love. We are green, we sons of the warrior queen. We have never seen war, and rarely even seen combat, except with each other in the training yard. But this quest we go on now. We'll be against seasoned and reputable fighters. This will be the cementing of our legacy, or its destruction. The seven sons brought with them 140 Connacht warriors to Regamon's Forth in the south of the province. Before they approached, the eldest brother said, A few of us should go in first to not come on too strong and see how the maidens themselves feel about our passion. So Maine of the lesser filial love and two more brothers went in and found three of the daughters of Regamon. Maine drew his sword. 
What do you want? asked one of the daughters. That you have come to Regamon's fort armed with swords drawn. Give life for life. My name is Maine of Alil and Maeve, said Maine of the lesser filial love. And what do you seek? Please let it not be cattle. Well, we come to seek the respective hands in marriage of all seven of you daughters of Regamon. But we have also come for the cattle. Tell me why the latter is a problem. For again, dear listener, cattle were wealth. Cattle were power. It is right that you should want these things together, said the daughter of Regamon. But I fear you will not get what you desire. The warriors who protect this keep would never allow it. But allow this discussion to go to council. We would like to see this desired goal achieved. Let us see what we can do. A council was held, but between the seven daughters. Our true loves, the seven sons of Alil and Maeve, have come to our gates. But they are also seeking our father's cattle said the eldest daughter. Another continued, Well, that is what we all want, but we do not have the authority to grant the cattle, and our father would never allow it. He isn't even here. Exactly, said another. But his men are. How many are in the host of our great loves? They are armed with one hundred and forty warriors. The daughters made a plan. Let us take the cattle ourselves. We have a right to a portion each if we all go together. We will be protected on the road by the host from Krulhan. Then we only have to make it to Alil and Maeve, and we will be protected from father's retribution. So the seven daughters of Regamon gathered and herded a colossal amount of livestock. Not just cattle, but pigs and sheep. They met up with the seven sons, and they and the seven daughters were finally together. But the road to Cruahan Fort was long, so the host decided to split in two to not be such an alarming sight, travelling across Connacht with an armada of farmyard animals. Regamon may not have been at home when this was all happening, but he was not long hearing about the theft of his daughters and his cattle. Regamon said, if Alil and Maeve think they can just take my children and my property without even the grace to ask me, it shows both their fear and disrespect. But I am no brown bull of coolie. Regamon amassed his entire army and intercepted one of the hosts of Cruahan on the road at the ford. The valiant and good-intentioned sons of Alil and Maeve were still no match for the berserkers of Regamon. Their troop was destroyed, and defeat was near. Maine of the great filial love said, Daughters of Regamon, our victory is in your hands. You must go to the other host. Tell the men to come and aid the fight. But you must go and get the cattle back to Cruan Fort. Then you can tell our mother and father of the siege we are under. The three daughters took the cattle and soon found the other half of suitors and livestock. 
the remaining sons and warriors rode off for battle, while all seven Regalmanian daughters herded the cattle back to the safety of Cruachan. There, the eldest daughter told the king and queen of Connacht what had happened. Alil raised his army, and Maeve hers, but they also had the benefit of Fergus MacRoke and his three thousand banished Ulstermen. The mighty horde rode out and met the sons of Cruachan. The seven mains had constructed a trench of blackthorn and whitethorn branches to protect them from the forces of Regamon. The sons may not have been battle-ready, but the armies of Alil, Maeve, and Fergus were. In no short time, Regamon's host were decimated, and the chieftain surrendered. But a treaty was made after the case of the seven sons pursuing their loves and the seven daughters who had aided them in driving off the cattle of Regamon. Restitution was awarded to the father and chieftain Regamon, but the price of seven times twenty milk cows were given up by Regamon as a dowry for his daughter's marriage to the sons of Alil and Maeve, and for the maintenance of the men of Ireland, when the cattle raid of Cooley would soon begin. For again, dear listener, one final time, in Gaelic Ireland, cattle were power, cattle were wealth, and now it was Queen Maeve who had the most. To be continued. Podcast Studios is the home of the Headstuff Podcast Network. It's where lots of our shows are recorded, and we work on editing, promotion, videos, live shows, and lots more. As a podcast production company with three state-of-the-art studios for audio and video in Dublin City Centre, we can work with you to tell great stories in a professional and engaging way. From government organisations to charities, arts groups to international brands, entrepreneurs to hobbyists, we've worked with everybody, and we can help you to get the word out. Whether you need studio time, you're hosting a live stream or webinar, or you need support with editing or marketing, we can tailor a package for you. For more info, head to thepodcaststudios.ie. And there we have the brief, tight and self-contained tale that is the cattle raid of Regamon. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Yeah, there's a lot... So what we have here, this gives real echoes to me of something that you see a lot in... Germanic folklore and folklore in general and myth in general of a group of children that are grouped together and are basically one homogenized. They're like a hive mind. We don't really meet them individually. We have like, we'll have like 12 daughters or 12 sons and they are always met together and they are always married off together. And it's a very specific trope to, to, folklore and mythology specifically I always feel because nowadays we would never group anyone together because the idea of an entire host speaking as one seems so alien to our individualistic minds but there's something very safe in the trope of it I don't know I kind of can't describe it but I hope some of you at least will know what I mean 
So we enter and we meet these, um, we meet Alil and Maeve again preparing for war. And we get a very functional element of preparing for war. It's ironic that this entire war is being fought over Alil being jealous of her husband, or uh, Maeve being jealous of her husband for having exactly one bull better than her. That now to amass this army, this collected host of the provinces of Ireland to unite against Ulster for this pursuit, that for that to happen and for their armies to survive and for them to be paid and for the, the province to survive, they need more cattle. They need more cows and cattle constantly. It was the important thing in Brehan law, the very, very important and sacred laws of Gaelic Ireland, both before and after the arrival of the Celts, even the laws that are going back thousands over a thousand, thousand and a half years, that every crime and every prize was always decided with cattle. If you killed someone or you married someone, someone always had to give the other person some form of cattle. Cattle were that important and that much a sign of wealth and then ultimately of power. So it's interesting that in in Connacht you have these all-powerful Queen Maeve and King Alil, but it really seems like Regamon is the one who is richer in this regard. Or certainly he has this aloof nature that he isn't automatically joining the fight and that he needs to be pursued. But they need to be tactical about this. They can't just send a messenger. They can't send an army. So that tells us that Regamon has this alienation to a degree and that he isn't just automatically giving up and that there is a fear there that they feel like if they approach with an army that he could stand a chance and they can't risk losing men and losing warriors before taking on this great battle. So Maeve uses her incredible mind and incredible skills of manipulation with her knowledge that the seven daughters of Regamon are in love with the seven sons of Alil and Maeve. So she knows that sending the seven sons as a disguise or as subterfuge will still result is the perfect way to steal the cattle if theft is necessary. It's interesting, like, it's hard to know what Maeve's idea was, that did she have this dowry in mind all along? Because in adaptation, so this is, my version of this story came from uh, the Yellow Book of Lekin, um, which is a source for a lot of these tales, um, I found an online link to it. What's what's really fun, what really makes this like treasure hunting for these other Tawn tales is that for some of them, um, I'm nearly through, I'm through a few of them now. This is only the second one I've done on Fireside. But source-wise, they're tricky to get. I always like to have a book in my hand or at least an e-book of these sources or try to read a couple of versions. But a lot of these... Um, you know, some have very vague descriptions or brief descriptions on some websites. Some have like a paragraph on Wikipedia. Some have more expansive pages. But ve- but it's it's taken digging each time to find like a full version of these stories. And I'll put the links to all of them in the description below. But I'll send the link for this. And this, um, from what I found, is is kind of the main version of it. There may be other versions, but this is kind of the main text. So this seemed like the, or the good main translation of the original Old Irish, that this seemed like the good one to adapt from. Um, I was initially going to do another tale, uh, which I will do again, another cattle raid of 
of Nera, The Adventures of Nera. But while I was doing that, which is a great story I can't wait to do, um, I discovered that this was a companion tale, which I don't see as much having done them both now, having read them both. But I thought it was interesting that these two are paired. So it seemed like, and that the tale of Regamon typically in bardic circles in gatherings in big halls that the tale of Regamon was told before the tale of Nera so it seemed appropriate to to bundle them two together so that may be the next one that we do I'm looking forward to sharing that one but so these seven sons go with love in their mind and in their hearts and they arrive and the daughters are delighted because they do they do want and I they do want to marry these and I adore the the agency and the respect in the story, which you don't often see with stories written around and about this kind of period in history. Even though this is mythology, these were obviously written at real times that had very specific and usually incredibly dated um, perceptions and in society and laws and rules in society. So it isn't a simple case of these these women being kidnapped because, of course, they are piled in with these cattle. But And I have touched up details of this here, and this is very definitely my version of this, but there's nothing I've strayed plot-wise or detail-wise too much from the text because this text is very, very short as well. My story is probably a bit longer than the, the text that I, that I adapted it from. Um... And so that is true that the seven sons, they arrive outside the fort and they send just a couple of them in uh, just to find out how the girls are feeling about this. So they ask them, they don't just go in and tell and take them. And they ask the daughters if they want to marry them and that they have come for the cattle as well. And the daughters then even meet separately and really seize the agent. And the agency belongs to the daughters in this because they decide together that they will go and they will take the cattle no matter the consequences. And they take it under Regamon's nose and they go and they meet their beloveds and they split. And then when their father finds out and he descends this massive, seasoned, ferocious army upon the sons of Alel and Maeve, it is the daughters who go and find the other host and it is the daughters who get the cattle back, which ultimately is the goal. There is a sacrifice on the level of the sons because they know the important thing is to save their future brides, but to save the cattle, what was their quest to go, the cattle that is needed for Connacht and needed for this war to be successful. So they, in, in essence, they achieve their goal by then because the cattle and these the daughters of Regamon, they make it back to Cruachan, but the sons may never have. But then we have Alil and Maeve, both seasoned warriors, and Fergus McRoke, who has recently arrived in Cruachan, having been kicked out of his own province, having abandoned his... Uh, having had his throne stolen and then being later appalled and disgusted by the behaviour of his successor, Conquabar McNassa, and so he is there and the three of them are all incredible, incredible warriors and command a colossal army that once they go out, that once Regamon has drawn first sword, even though he was the one who had been offended, once his host is crushed, it's still they're still all Connacht, they're still all one province. And even though this clan culture and this Tua culture that had in Ireland was very rarely united, that's what makes the Taunt such an interesting story is like you have all so many armies and clans from so many different tribes all united against one tribe of Ulster. 
And that is why the significance of Brian Baru is in history, because Brian Baru was considered the only time, and that was fairly late in Gaelic culture, and just before the Norman invasion, that was the one time that one Irish king was able to unite essentially all of the, as many of the hosts of Gaelic Ireland as had ever been a as had ever been assembled and never would be assembled again to fight the Norse invaders. But that, of course, they, he also recruited Norse invaders to join his fight, and there was Irish people on the side of the Vikings, so it never was, as we discovered in, for those who've been listening a long time, in our episodes on Brian Baru years ago, um, if those who've listened remember, um, who may not have listened to for a while, they, um, it was not as simple as Irish versus Norse. It was Irish and Norse versus Irish and Norse. But the point is that Brian Baru did in real life what the Tawn did in mythology, the idea of the uniting of as many hosts as possible and as many clans as possible because clans typically were very disparate and separated. Hence Regamon being in Connacht and Maeve and Maeve and Alil being basically high king and high queen and him still resisting them but a treaty is still signed because it is still one province and Alil and Maeve can't afford to lose any allies and any friends and so Regamon is paid for the insult for the theft but then as he consents to the marriage of his daughters to the sons of Alil and Maeve they have to give he has to give a dowry and the dowry, of course, has to be cattle. So there's a sense of it all working out in a way, in a very, very roundabout way. But it's a way that seemed to please everyone. Regamon defeated these sons and would have killed them. And then Alil and Maeve came and crushed his army. But he still stood up and was nearly able to avenge this wrong done to him. And so with this treaty, he was able to be paid back, paid back this respect and to show that he was respected and was feared to a degree that that Maeve didn't want to crush him outright. She still wanted a treaty there so that there could be good blood and that the marriage still ended up happening. So everyone, Raymon gets gets respected and gets his restitution. The sons and the daughters get to marry and then ultimately King Alil and Queen Maeve get their cattle with this constant refrain, which I did quite like, is again, very a Brehan law thing that cattle were wealth and cattle were power. And so in this scenario now, it seems that it's Maeve who finally has the most and is ready for war to get her one final bull. And so with that, I will wrap things up, but I hope you enjoyed this. It's again so wonderful to be in the world of the Ulster cycle again. That was my favorite cycle. It is the great cycle and it's the great challenge uh, of this podcast or one of them to adapt it. And it's so nice to meet these characters again and be back in this world and covering new myths, you know, because there's endless, endless folk tales. But the, some of the myths are harder to find, the less common ones, and when we've done so many of the major ones. But it's so nice to be four years later still discovering major tales from a major cycle like this. So as always, please do give me your feedback. Let me know how you're enjoying this, how you're liking the new cycle of Fireside and the new uh, routine of it. Next week we will have a folk tale again, another Irish folk tale, and then the week after that we will have another world tale, which at the moment will still be decided, um, but I'm thinking we're going to be exploring a mythology that I've always wanted to and haven't done before. We'll dip a toe in for an episode there. 
because I do want those episodes, the world mythology and world tale episodes, to be different every time, to not just focus on one for a couple of months. Um, but after that, we will get back to the Tombow Tales, and the Tombow Tales will take us for the next few months, alternating with the folk tales and the world tales. So, as always, please do follow me on or on Instagram at Fireside Bard. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Uh, buy my book, Garden Sea. The links are in the description below. Paperback from Headstuff, uh, Kindle version from Amazon, can ship all around the world. Um, support Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com. I will see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. Plus.